I'm Allison Van Hooser, and I'm on a sold-out mission to develop highly successful leaders at all levels. In the 15 years I've been working throughout the food, financial, retail industries, and politics, I've become deeply aware of the powerful effects of leadership. In each episode, you will get strategies and actions you can use immediately in order to change you, your team, and your business. The question is, will you choose to own it? Will you put your stake in the ground and decide to do something with what you've learned today? This is Stake, the Leadership Podcast. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. On today's podcast episode, you will hear a clip of a keynote I did recently. It is a virtual keynote that I did for a group of managers and supervisors who are leading remote employees. If you too are leading remote employees, I hope that these quick four tips will help you create connections that lead to better performance than ever before. Enjoy. We're going to dive in right now for the next 15 minutes or so to really practical. I'm a very practical person. I don't want it to be complicated or theoretical. I want to say, what's going to work? Tell me the next right step. We're going to dig into that. And I would ask you to own it, to write down exactly what you are going to go back and implement from this to make sure that you are leading a highly engaged remote team. So let's get started. On your handout, the very first bullet point says, we have to first redefine face-to-face. And I have to say that right off the bat because there are some people who, man, we prefer in person. And I'm right there with you. I would prefer to be in person in order to connect with you. I'd love to hug your neck. That's what we say here in Kentucky, in the South. We say, I'd love to hug your neck. That is an easy way for me to connect with people. And I think oftentimes it's the easiest because that's how we've known. It's all we've known growing up. We made connections face-to-face. We're used to that. But there's a new population who have learned to make authentic, real, engaged connections through a screen. And so I first must say we have to redefine face-to-face. It's important that we note that not everyone feels that remote work creates distance or that there is a better option. This may be the preferred option for some of your people. My daughter Holt, even my son Duke, who's five, they don't know a world before FaceTime. If the grandparents call and they're like an old school phone call. I almost did this. How old school is that? If they do an old school phone call and it's not FaceTime, if the kids look at the screen and all they see is black, they think it's broken or they want nothing to do with it. Or they'll say into the screen, can't hear you, can't hear you. But what they mean is I can't see you. They don't know a world before that. You may have Gen Z's on your team who are about 25 and younger, who maybe all they've known, maybe some of you have only ever known working through a screen. So those connections to you are very much real. They're very much authentic. You are all in on creating an engaged team. It's important that we note for some people, this may be natural. For others, it could be totally unnatural. 
It may mean that you have to pick up the phone more with some people because they connect with with voices. They, they prefer phone calls. It may mean that you have to schedule um, coffee or go to a concert with one of your coworkers because they want to be able to touch you, to connect with you. That's their need. But not everybody has the same needs. You can't treat everyone the same and basically put a blanket on everybody because different people have different needs. Some may be hot, some may be cold. It's important that we're willing to adapt our leadership. Second, start with stories. Start with stories. I'd be curious, and you all can look at one another. I told you all several stories today. That was intentional. Because of those stories, do you feel like we kind of know one another now? You kind of understand me better? You can you have an idea of who I am? It's when we get to know people's stories that we uncover our next right step. There was an article that came out just this week where there maybe you've read it. There's a person suing their company because their boss, their supervisor, threw them a birthday party, and they said they're suing because it, it caused them extreme anxiety. Suing them for almost $500,000. That's a problem, right? <laughs> a problem we don't want any part of. But I would ask you, for that supervisor, who was trying to serve, I'm sure, I don't know the person, but let's say that they had a good heart. They wanted their employee to feel celebrated. They wanted to do something good. They were serving. They were being a servant leader. But the question is, were they serving the need? We talk about start with stories. How different might this situation be if they started off with a story? Hey, Brad, let's say their name is Brad. Tell me a story about what the perfect work day on your birthday would be. Or maybe they give you the birthday off and you come back the next day or maybe the day before. What is the perfect way for us, for you to feel celebrated on your birthday? Tell me a story of what that would look like. What would your day look like? Walk me through it beginning to end. Let them tell you a story. Maybe they would say, you know what? I'd love to just show up to work or open my email and have everybody tell me their funniest memory of me. And that's it. That would be the perfect work day for me. Then would we be able to very apparently see that if we threw them a birthday party, there might be some disconnect there. We must get to know people's stories. And I say we start with stories because you as a leader, if you're leading people, you likely are going to have to tell your story first. This is one of the only times that I will tell leaders to talk first, then listen. I believe when we start telling our stories, we begin to build trust for people to open up and tell us their real stories. What's really going on? Tell me what's going, if you were to ask, tell me what's going on at work right now that is really stressing you out. Someone might not give you a true, authentic response if they don't feel like they can trust you. But you better believe that if you're willing to open up and be vulnerable with your people, to share your stories, to help them understand you, then you're going to start creating trust. And trust is the foundation of an engaged team.
I shared with you all a story about ownership. So maybe if I was your employee and maybe I was doing too much, I was taking on too much. If you knew my story, you might go back and say to me, very specific feedback, Allison, hey, I remember the time you shared this story with me and I can see that you're taking on all this work, trying to make sure that you take care of everything. And I feel like, or tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you, that you sort of just learned that that's who you are. Maybe I need you to hand something off that some, somebody else can take care of it. The job will still get done. That's a conversation, a very unique conversation, a very individualistic, customized conversation that can only happen if we know people's stories. And getting to know people's stories can be wrapped into your onboarding. If you choose to do re-onboarding after COVID to get to know your team again, you can get to know their stories. We're not going to spend any more time here, but I will tell you three stories I believe every leader needs to know and tell. You need to tell and ask. You need to learn your people's stories. First story is what are key events that shaped you growing up? I've shared some of mine with you all today. What are the key events that shaped you growing up? The second one is how are you parented? What did what your parents do for a living? Did they work? Did they not work? Were they around? Were they not around? These are conversations you can have one-on-one -on -one where people might tell you that, their parents were the epitome of hard work and they wore a suit and tie every day to work. Or maybe they tell you that I was raised by a single mom and she did everything remotely and she wore sweatpants and a ball cap and never got on camera. So maybe that would open your eyes to why someone else is showing up to work in a way that maybe you don't connect with. Maybe their story's different than yours. Key events, parenting, and then finally technology. I told you all about, we have to remember that some people naturally build relationships virtually. For others, not so much. You only know that if you get to know how, do the, how does technology shape how you interact with people today outside of work? Do you use social media at all? Do you FaceTime or call? Do you listen to the voicemails your grandma leaves you? All of that, those stories will give you answers. The third bullet point involve and engage each person. Now I said involve and engage. There's a big difference there. We have to make sure, especially if you supervise people, listen very carefully. There's a difference between involving and engaging. You can involve someone and still get very negative performance results from them. But when someone becomes engaged, when they reach the level of engaged status, they can begin to add value to the team. They can become more knowledgeable, a more valuable part of the team. But we have to be able to spot the difference. My two boys, well, actually the three biggest kids, during the pandemic, I would send them into one of our front rooms and they would sit at the big kitchen table and they would play Legos there because Legos were the toy of choice. They all love to play Legos. Do you all have Legos in your house if you have kids? And they work for all ages. So we've got kids who are almost 10 years old and we've got Duke who at the time was like three, a toddler. Legos worked. Willow and Lincoln would invite Duke to the table. They would involve him. And Duke thought it was awesome. He was getting to sit with the big kids, see what they were working on. The big kids, I don't know why. I do not know why, but my kids love to build jails. J-A-I-L, jails. I don't know. They love to build jails and they'll build very intricate jails. Like, mom, come in here, look at this. I put a toilet in this jail cell and this one even has a mirror. 
I don't know. They love to do it. But Duke, at just only three years old, he would just build a tower. I mean, as tall as he could build a tower, he would build a tower. He didn't have the knowledge and skills to build anything more complex. They would invite Duke to the table. Duke, here are your Legos. We're going to play over here. He'd even be on the same side of the table as, as them. And for a while, he was cool with that. He was happy to just be there. But eventually, Duke would get frustrated. And this happened like clockwork. He would get frustrated. He would continue looking down at what they're building and how it was new and different and exciting. It was harder than what he did. It was, it was something he wanted to be a part of. And as he was watching them and sort of building his tower, seeing what they're doing, he started to feel like, oh, this is so boring what I'm doing. I want to be a part of that. And so he'd ask, can I come down there? And as most big kids will do, no, Duke, you're doing a good job. Keep doing that. You keep going, Duke. Great job. And so he'd go back to building a little bit encouraged. And then he'd say, oh, that's so cool. Show me how to do that. And I'm like, we will later, Duke. We will later. It's not time yet. Just keep building. And eventually Duke would have enough. And he would stand up on this table. And he would walk over to them and he would boom, knock over their tower, their big jail. They, he would knock it over. He would destroy it. And I knew as their mother exactly what had happened. They had involved Duke, but they had not engaged Duke. How many of you are involving your team? They're on the meeting. They have responsibilities, but they're not engaged. You're not saying, you're saying, come to the table, play with some Legos, but don't play with ours. Because if you start playing with these, then it's going to take us a lot longer. We're going to have to teach you. You might make mistakes and then we have to fix it. We just don't have time for that right now. Or maybe I don't want to give this up yet. This is mine. Could it be that your employees then might come in like Duke and just mess it all up? for everybody because then mom comes in and says put it all away and then everybody's frustrated leaders if we want to create a highly engaged remote team we have to engage them and engagement looks different for each person we have to get to know their stories to know how they want to be engaged how do they want to grow what is their goal what is their plan what are they liking about work this month what needs to change next month we need constant feedback and finally we go to number four to finish this off clarify performance measurements clarify performance measurements what we know what i know from the research is that older generations Think of traditionalists, baby boomers, and some Gen Xers, people in their mid-50s and up. Not everybody. Hear me say this. Not everybody. Maybe this is your story. Maybe it's not your story. But maybe you went to work in a time where maybe it was difficult for you to find a job. Maybe it wasn't. But once you had a job, you were told, come in, put your head down, do your work, don't ask questions, just make sure you show up. And if there is an opportunity for you to work late or work on weekends or work on a holiday, your boss is going to think, man, they are killing it. They are doing such a good job. They're always here. They come in early. They stay late. And that's how you got promoted because they saw that effort you were putting in. And so you look at your employees and you're thinking, I need to make sure they're putting in the effort, that they're showing up every day, that they're checking all of these boxes. And what we're seeing is that that's creating a huge disconnect 
that younger generations are wanting to be measured not based on input, but output. Let's talk about performance, not based on, am I showing up every day? Am I turning my camera on the Zoom? But instead, what all did I accomplish this month? We need to clarify performance measurements because whether you want to evaluate performance based on input or output, it needs to be mutually agreed upon. Those are four hard-hitting tips for creating remote connections. There is so much more you can do. But I would ask you at least today, will you choose to be a leader? Will you choose to create leaders at all levels of your team? Are you going to share this definition with them? Maybe you text it to them right now and say, this is who we are. If we lay down the law, this is who we are as a team going forward. We are leaders who serve the needs of one another and of our customers. We serve the needs up the chart and down the organizational chart because when we do that, we all become better. It's my hope that you choose to own it and create a highly engaged team that is more successful than you can even imagine. Thank you all. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For the links to everything mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes. And if you'd like more practical, tactical leadership development content, go to www.vanhooser.com for my weekly blog and all the links to my social media channels. And if it makes sense to start improving the leadership skills of your managers and supervisors, let's talk about training options for your team. Email me at allison at vanhooser.com. Leaders, make the choice today to put your stake in the ground and own your leadership success. This is Stake, the Leadership Podcast.